again. Thank you, choir. What a beautiful, beautiful song. Thank you for praying for us as we were away from you last week. I appreciate uh, the Lord's uh, giving us traveling mercies and uh, getting refreshed. And I wasn't in the pulpit last week, so I praise the Lord for a break and ready to go again today. But I'll try to let you out by noon. I won't try to double up on you today. Turn your Bibles to Psalm 121, if you would, please. And while you're turning there, pastor and author, Dr. Tony Evans, tells about a time, one time when he got stuck in an elevator. And he wrote, the immediate reaction of all the people was panic. We were trapped, stuck, and couldn't get out. Some people were crying, help, help, help. We were sincerely crying out. Were we sincerely crying out? Yes. Were we begging for help? Yes. But it wasn't working. Other folks were banging on the door. Bam, bam, bam. But no one was hearing all that noise. But those folks didn't care. They kept right on banging. He said desperate people do desperate things. They were crying out. And then he wrote, there was one calm man on the elevator. He says, I simply walked to the other side, pulled out a latch, picked up a telephone and waited. A voice said, is there a problem? I said, we're trapped on the elevator between this floor and that floor. Can we get some help? They responded, we'll be right there. He concludes by saying, see, everybody forgot about the phone. We were so into being trapped that we forgot there was a phone link to the security department. Merely by picking up the phone, we were released from our hostage situation. All the human effort we put forth, banging and yelling, wouldn't work. But picking up the phone and asking for help did. We had to seek help using the connection. Now, beloved, we as Christians are not immune to troubles and problems and trials and stresses and frustrations. We've not been promised smooth sailing here in this world, but praise God, we've been promised a safe landing. But not, but not smooth sailing. There are times that come in our lives where we need help. And if we're not careful, we may end up like those folks on the elevator. We're desperate and we're crying out and we're yelling and we're banging, but we're doing all that in the wrong place and we're asking the wrong sources for help to no avail. Do you know where to turn for help? Do you know who to cry out to when you need help? Chris was telling about this morning in Sunday school, if you don't mind me sharing this, that Miss Judy was asking their class, uh, if Pastor Rodney's away and, and you need help, who do you call? And Chris said, Jada said you call 911. <laughs> I felt good about that. I feel like I've moved up a notch of 911. Do you know where to cry out for help? The psalmist did. And we find it here in Psalm 121. Now, Psalm 121 might be a familiar passage to you. It might not. But you're going to love it, I think, once we're done with it today. Psalm 121. Look at it with me, please. I'll begin reading at verse number one. Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. 
The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve your soul. Excuse me. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Now, as I studied this passage this past week, three great lessons, three great reminders came to my mind. And I want to share them with you. Very simple. First of all, we need help. We need help. For some reason, I got to thinking about the old Western Union commercials that were on TV when I was growing up. Does anybody remember the old Western Union commercials? But they would show a bad situation going on. And the theme song would go like this. Everybody needs some money sometimes. Everybody needs some cash somehow. Something in my heart just told me my sometime is now. Remember those? Now, sometimes the middle would get jarbled. I didn't know the middle. You said, everybody needs some cash. Everybody needs some cash. Mm-hmm. My sometime is now. But I went back and I actually found the words. It's something in my heart just told me. My sometime is now. Problems come. All of us face problems. I know I was talking to one of the couples in the church, and this has been a very stressful week for them, and it's been a week full of problems. And I know I've had a set of problems this past week, and, and all these things happen. But you know what? Sometimes cash won't fix it. Sorry, Western Union. Sometimes cash is not the issue, it's not the solution. You see, money can buy a bed, but not sleep. It can buy books, but not knowledge. It can buy food, but not an appetite. It can buy finery, but not beauty. A house, but not a home. Medicine, but not health. Luxuries, but not comfort. Pleasures, but not happiness. And it can buy religion, but not salvation. There are some things that money cannot and will never be able to buy. There are things that come into our lives where we desperately need help. We need help. Now, don't answer out loud, but what are you struggling with today? What issues are you facing? What is it that's challenging your life right now? I mean, we have a lot of different people and a lot of different problems. But I dare say that the majority of folks here, you're dealing with some issues, some areas of your life where you need help. And this psalm reminds us that we need help. All of us need help. But it goes on because it also reminds us that we should seek help. You see, that's what the psalmist does. The psalmist needs help. And so he seeks help. A very wise thing to do. Now, often our pride stands in our way from admitting that we need help in an issue and also from seeking help. But the psalmist admits it. He needs it. He wants it. But the question is, where can he find it? In fact, the question in verse number one says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. Where does my help come from? I'm looking for help. Where can I get it? Now, let me just stop for a moment. Why does he mention the hills? Why does he talk about the hills there? Um, why does he even say, I'll lift up my eyes to the hills? Is he looking to the mountains, hoping they'll rescue him? Well, no. Uh, Jeremiah 3.23 says, Truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills and from the multitude of mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. So why does he, why does it say he's looking to the hills? I lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? Why does he do that? Well, look in your Bible again. 
And right above Psalm 121, you may notice a title. It may say a song of ascent or a song of degrees. Maybe you see that in your Bible. What's that all about, preacher? Well, the psalm of ascents or psalm of degrees, they actually take up the portion of the book of Psalms from Psalm 120 through Psalm 134. All of those, Psalm 120 through 134, are psalms of ascents or psalms of degrees. They were songs that people would sing as they made their way to Jerusalem to worship at the appointed feast times. So as they're traveling up to Jerusalem, they would sing these psalms of ascent, these psalms of degrees. So they're on their way to Jerusalem. They're looking up ahead at Jerusalem. They're singing these psalms of praise to the Lord. And if you'll notice, as we read, did you notice it changed voices on us? Did you notice in verses uh, 1 and 2, it's all about my, I will lift up my help. My help comes from the Lord. And then all of a sudden you get down later and you find he talks about your and you. Notice there's a change in voices. The idea may be this. Perhaps one would begin the psalm by singing the first part of it. Uh, I will lift up my eyes. Therefore, what's coming up? And maybe the others would answer back and they would sing maybe back and forth as they're traveling to Jerusalem. I'm not sure that may have been what happened. You see, they're not looking to the mountains to help them. They're not simply looking up to, to the hills. They're looking above the hills. They're looking to the Lord. You see, Jerusalem uh, was located in the hills on a rocky plateau, 2,500 feet above sea level. And so as they're looking up to Jerusalem, they're, they're imagining, thinking about the presence of the Lord. They're thinking about Jehovah, whom they're going to worship. So as they're looking up, looking to the hills, it's not the mountains, it's not the trees, it's not the rocks. They're looking to the one who created those things. They're looking to the Lord, because this reminds us we need help and we should seek help. But thirdly, we must seek help from the right source. We must seek help from the right source. You see, the psalmist did that. And he encourages us to do it. He says categorically and clearly in verse number two, where his help comes from. Look at it with me. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You see, he's not looking to the creation. He's not looking to the mountains. He's looking to the creator. And by the way, God is mentioned as creator in several places in the Psalms. Psalm 115, 15 says, may you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 134, 3, the Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Zion. Psalm 146, 6, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever. The idea is this, beloved. If God created the universe and he did. If God creates these things that we see and the beautiful world that we see and he did, then certainly... He can handle our problems and our challenges. Because, by the way, God created us. And so if he created us and breathed to our bodies or our lives, the breath of life, and, and he, he gives us life, certainly he can handle our problems. It's a matter of perspective, isn't it? You see, Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says this, For by him... All things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. Listen, and in him, all things consist. In other words, if he holds the universe together and he does, 
then certainly it could hold your life together. It's a matter of perspective, isn't it? You know, you're flying an airplane and you look down. Things look a lot different, don't they? Things look a lot... It's so big here. So, oh, look how, look how big the church is. Well, go up, way up in an airplane. Look down. What is that? Yeah. So you see, it's a matter of perspective. We've got to remember that as they were traveling, these pilgrims were traveling to Jerusalem, they were not motoring along at 70 miles an hour on a superhighway. Uh, they were not flying 30,000 feet in first class. They were trudging along, along foot, well-worn paths that were laden with dangers. That's why, if you'll notice in the next part, think about them walking to Jerusalem. Very dangerous journey here, going up to Jerusalem. Notice what it says in verse 3. He would not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. I'm told if you visit uh, the Holy Land, that shade is a premium. It's something you want to have around. Verse number six, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. In other words, at all times and always, the Lord is watching over them. In fact, it says he never sleeps nor slumbers. Now, think about how awesome our God is. Even the strongest one among us, I don't care who you are, even the strongest one among us, you will eventually fall asleep. But not Jehovah. See, God is on duty 24-7, 365, forever and ever. Amen. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. You see, there comes times in our life where we just we just collapse. We just we just we just can't stay awake any longer. But God never slumbers. He never sleeps. He's always on guard. He's always watching. An Eastern story has it that a poor woman one time came to the sultan and she wanted compensation for a loss of property. And so she's appealing to the sultan and he, the monarch said, well, how did you lose it? She said, I fell asleep and a robber entered my dwelling. He said, well, why did you fall asleep? And the woman answered, I fell asleep because I thought I believe you were awake. I fell asleep because I believe you were awake. And you know what? That sultan was so delighted with an answer. Her answer. He gave her all the stuff back. He, he, he made that her loss. You see, beloved, sultans will fail us. Sovereigns will fail us. States will fail us. Nations and countries and leaders will fail us. But our savior never will fail us. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's all powerful. And notice his care is complete and unending. Look at verses seven and eight. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Complete and unending. Now, the question, though, is this. Is this saying that nothing bad Will ever happen to a child of God? Is this saying that every pilgrim who went, no, no, not, not even one of them fell victim to a robber or to sunstroke or something? No, that's not what it's saying, beloved. Because we, we've already established and we already know what? That we're not promised smooth sailing. Troubles come. Problems come. Listen, if you're out witnessing, if you're out sharing Jesus, 
Don't tell people that if they trust Jesus, all the problems are solved and they're going to be happy. They're going to drive Cadillacs and wear suits and have you know, everything they want. Well, that's not what God's word says. He's faithful. He's just. He will guard and he will help and he will guide. But there's no promise there won't be problems and heartaches and trials and troubles. It's a result of sin in our world. And one day we will be delivered from all of that. He'll wipe away every tear from every eye. And we'll rejoice forever, but, but, but not yet. So when it says to the Lord's going to be your keeper, it's going to be your shade, it's going to do all these things. What does it mean then? Well, it means this, beloved. Everything that enters your life as a child of God, if you're a child of God today, everything that enters your life is filtered through God's loving hands. In other words, when those troubles and trials come, God knows about them. Where's they put it this way? This verse doesn't say that we will have no pain. We won't have pain. It, it doesn't say we'll never suffer or sorrow. Listen, though we may hurt, though we may hurt, we won't be harmed. There's a great difference. There's a great difference. Though, though it doesn't say that we won't be hurt, we won't be harmed. We're going to hurt. We're going to have hurts and sorrows and pain in this life. But everything that comes in my life is filtered through the hands of our loving Heavenly Father. Last month, Ray Pritchard posted the following on his blog. He said, last night... I happened to see this note on the kitchen windowsill at a friend's house. I still remember the first time I heard about this prayer. Many years ago, I had lunch with a man in Chicago who told me his life had been changed by this simple prayer. The man said, quote, as soon as I wake up in the morning, I say this prayer. It has changed my attitude toward life. I don't complain as much. I'm a lot more positive. And I don't let little things get me down the way they used to, end quote. Now, some of you are thinking, I need to get that and give it to some people I know, because they're always negative and they always complain. But now listen, listen for yourself. The man was so earnest, Pritchard says, I could not doubt his words. But, but what prayer could produce such glowing results? Well, here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, you're in charge of everything that will happen to me today. The good and the bad, the happy and the sad, the positive and the negative. Please make me thankful for everything that happens today. In Jesus name. Amen. And Pritchard said that the prayer works because it focuses first on God's sovereignty over all of life. God's in charge. Nothing can happen to us that does not first pass through his hands of love. It also works because the change we see seek starts in us. It's a prayer for a thankful heart and we could all use more of that. Now, I want to ask you something. What would happen in your life if you prayed a prayer like that? What would happen in your life if you truly prayed that prayer each day? He was challenging on his blog to take a, a 30 day challenge to pray that. What would happen if you prayed a similar prayer? You prayed a prayer like this. Heavenly Father, you're in charge of everything that will happen to me today. 
the good, the bad, the happy, the sad, the positive, the negative. Please make me thankful for everything that happens today. In Jesus name. Amen. You see how that kind of prayer and that kind of reliance for the Lord can change your attitude, can change your outlook where we get. You know, are you like me? Don't you get irritated about some stuff? Don't you get frustrated at some people? Man, don't you just want to just get fed up at times? Do you do y'all do that? Y'all aren't like that. Y'all are too spiritual, aren't you? Better pray for the preacher. Yeah. Please do. See, there's things that come in our lives on a daily basis. We have to realize they come into our lives with permission, with permission from our father. You know, go back and read the story of Job. None of us, we might have had some bad weeks, but none of us had a week or a time quite like Job, have we? And, um, you know, Satan went and, and wanted to get the servant and was accusing Job. You remember that each time that he went, he went with limits, didn't he? God says you can go so far, but no further. You can go so far, but no further. Do you realize that God is in charge of our lives as well, beloved? The things that come in our lives, the happy, the sad, the positive, the negative, the good, the bad, the things we want to come and the things we don't want, they're all filtered through God's loving hands. That's what we reminded of in this psalm. And so I ask you today, are you looking for help? Do you need help? Then look no further. Look no further. Because verse 2 says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Could you pray that prayer today or prayer like it where you say, Father, everything that's going to come in my life today is from your loving hand. Help me to be thankful. Help me to trust you. Whether it's good or bad, happy or sad, positive or negative, plus or minus, I want to trust you. I want to walk with you. I look to you for help in those situations. I look for your guidance, your wisdom, your mercy. And Father, help me in everything to give thanks. For the glory of God. In Jesus name. Amen. Father it is with grateful hearts that we bow. Father I'll be the first one to admit. In this group today I need help. I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need your guidance. Your direction. Your love. I need the fruit of the Spirit to operate my life. Love, joy, peace, all these things. I believe there are those here today who came in. If they would be honest, they need help. And Lord, we're so often looking to everybody and everything else. And we, we come to you as a last resort. Lord, I pray today that you from here on be our first resort. We'd be like the psalmist says, my help comes from the Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would help those who may be struggling even this service to come and give those burdens to you. To cry out to you. Lord, to acknowledge your sovereign rulership over their lives. Lord, to come and say everything in my life. Everything comes through your loving hands. It's filtered. Though you may not send it directly, you allow it to happen. And I trust you, Father. So, Father, I pray for whoever it may be, or the many here today.
who need to give these burdens to you, they'll do it. And then, Lord, I pray for those who need the greatest help of all. Those who are dead in trespasses and sin, who need new life. I pray that this invitation time, they would come and place their faith in Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, have your will and way, work in hearts and lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning, number 64. I think it goes right along with our psalm. God will take care of you. And as we have our song, our closing invitation, the altar is open. Perhaps you need to come today and pray. Maybe you need to give some burdens to the Lord. Perhaps you need to be saved today. Come and let me know that I'll put you with someone who will share the gospel with you. But as we sing, the altar is open. God is waiting, longing for you to come. 64, God will take care of you. Let's stand and sing. Mm-hmm.